today on the Win Daily Show. I am Mike Florizil. I have the incredible, the legend, Rick Wolf with me. He is the president at FantasyAlarm.com, founder of Full Moon Sports Solutions, founding board member of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, even served as the chairman for a little while, and formerly of CBS Sports, Roto World, NBC Sports Group. Rick, really appreciate you hanging out with me today. I'm glad to be here. So, you know, always look forward to talking about fantasy. It's basically been my whole life. So look at my that. whole professional life for sure. Good for you, man. And a lot of people would uh, would pay to have that opportunity, but clearly you've earned it and uh, you've, you've ran with it. So one thing we like to do here at Win Daily, as I told you, we want to make sure that we're, we're um, paying homage, we're paying attention to the people that have come before us. And one thing outside of sports is all the hard work it takes to become in, within this industry to stay in it as a fantasy content creator, writer, contributor. What are you doing yeah. on the outside of sports to make sure that you're winning each and every day to continue this incredible life that you've created for yourself? Yeah, well, you know, um, I have a different path to it. So many people who come to it because their passion for baseball or football or whatever sport it is has them writing about it and covering it and watching film. And, and I think that's incredibly hard. A lot of people do that, though. Um, I have a BS in computer science, BS in mathematics. I came from the tech side where you know, when I would hear one of these great minds about that, I had the luck at, at Sportsline USA to work with the great Mike Kahn and Ray Buck. Um, unfortunately, Mike Kahn's passed away, but um, they were the president of the National Football Writers Association, the president of the National Basketball Writers Association. So I had the great minds to be able to figure things out. And then what we did was took those things that were in the real world, things they were already using, analysis tools they were already doing, and we moved them to the internet. So, um, you know, that's sort of the real world kind of defines what it is. And, and the reason that I've been able to stay in this space is because I'm willing to take, uh, take less money for doing technology stuff because technology in finance or in other areas pays a lot more, but the technology, since that's the case, um, you know, I'm, I, I've been able to have teams and, and succeed in the technology area for sports and for fantasy sports specifically. Um, you know, because of that, because, you know, that the, there were there weren't, you know, the newest um, mm -hmm. level of stuff. Now that's changed in the last uh, 15 years or 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, now high tech is in and sports is sexy and and the daily fantasy sports boom certainly certainly made the technology component sexy, deep, deep seated algorithms now, you know, help you create your daily lineups and figure out who to bet on every day. And, you know, those things always existed in Vegas and other places, but, you know, commonly the high tech folks were working in finance or places where uh, they could be making more money. Mm -hmm. But you went for the love of the money, it sounds like, because I worked in finance. I hated every second of it. And then I started working in sports and I'm happy every day I wake up now, which is so much better than making an extra couple bucks a year that you're just going to spend it on stupid stuff anyway. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I say to people, I feel like for the Forrest Gump of the of fantasy sports industry. I was just, <laughs> I happened to be in the right rooms. I always surrounded myself by people who are way smarter than me, and I always raised my hand and volunteered for anything. You know, basically, I'll do that. Yeah, um, and so that you know that that served me well in those early rooms where we would say, "Hey, should we uh, build a fantasy commissioner?" Oh, yeah, there isn't really one out there. Okay, well, what do we do? All right, well, we, let's get a bunch of people in a room and and a and a, and a keg of Heineken and and talk about it and we'd talk about it, figure it out. And then we'd start building it. And because it wasn't there already, we had that advantage. Now with technology booming so much, there are the innovations are harder to make because so many things have already been, so many simple things have already been invented. 
Mm-hmm. So at that time, there was no scoreboards online. So we put them up. There was no bracket online. So we put the first bracket up. You know, there was no commissioner online. online. There were, there were commissioner pieces of software. So we replicated some of the software, put it online. So um, all these things didn't exist. We thought of a new contest. We put it online. There was a 13 run pool, put it online. Uh, the football sheet, put it online. You know, so it, it was it, the simple ideas that worked in the real world were easy to port over. Uh, whereas now, you know, everything's pretty much been invented. So if you're a technology person trying to innovate, it's much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting. You bring up the point, you know, just put it online. It sounds very easy, especially today to do something like that. It wasn't quite as easy as you're making it sound, especially back, as you said, 1989 is when you really, uh, you know, cut your teeth or started to cut your teeth in the industry. I wasn't even born yet. So, you know, kudos to you for been doing this as long as you have. It's again, an absolutely incredible career that people would, would do dream about having. And, and when you do say again, going back to, oh, just put it online. How much more difficult was it just to do those simple tasks back then compared to, as you said, you know, creating those innovations that we're hoping to see come in the future? Well, it, it was different, right? You know, before it, then it was okay just to have a text-based page that had the data on it. You know, now it's got to look pretty. It's got to be interactive. It's got to have the ability for you to make personal settings. It's got to have the ability for you to connect with the community so you feel like you belong. So there's like components. In those days in 95, when we started Sportsline, we had, there was a guy named Peter Naughton who was the uh, ran Sun Microsystems, okay? He, he wasn't, uh, Ron Ellison was the founder, but he was his mm-hmm. right-hand man. And he ran all the technology for Sun Microsystems. And he said, every web war is gonna be one with content, personalization, and interactivity. So whenever we created a product, we always have what we call the CPI rating. So we gave it a one to 10 in each category and added them up. And if you got a perfect 30, you know, there you go, you've got the perfect product. So, um, had to have content, had to be able to be personalized by the user so that it could have his settings or his favorite teams, and then had to have the interactivity so that they could connect with other humans while they were using it. Um, So that's how we try to do everything. And I think that still exists now. Uh, But then we would throw up, uh, let's do a box, let's do a scoreboard. We just threw up a text scoreboard, you know. Um, Those are the days, man. Those are the days. The live scoreboard had stick figures that ran around the bases. You know, I mean, we were, it was really early stuff and, you know, it didn't need to look good. It just needed to function. So function was, was much more important than style. And, you know, still now I, I do believe function is the most important, but as you said, I really like that CPI index. Like how, how can we make sure we hit all tens in these three categories? Because I still think, as you said, right now, that is still very, very important in all three of those. And, and how do you still yeah. utilize that today when you do create the, the, the content, you create the, the programming as well as any of the technology? I would think that there are more categories now. I mean, okay. usa- usability, usability and ease of use are so much more important now than they ever were before because there are so many choices. So when you open up an app, if it's not easy to use right away, you're like, I'm not using that again. Uh, and because you know someone will innovate and create a better mousetrap you know, mm-hmm. days later. Uh, and so the competition and the competition especially surrounding news, weather, sports, finance, uh, all the things that were the lines of the sports line. We had sports line, money line, all those things. Um, so those making sure the usability I think is, is critical. So CPI plus usability plus ease of use now plus um, brand Mm -hmm. and plus distribution. It used to be best product, best service. That's America. And we just made the best product at Sportsline, and that's why people used it. But now it's best brand and best distribution 
because people won't see it because there's so much noise of so many products out there that mm -hmm. now you have to have a distribution channel in order to get it. That's a hundred percent correct. I mean, there's so many companies that you see and you're like, Oh cool. I'll just download your app. And they're like, oh, I don't have an app. So like, well, okay. Then I'm not, I'm not going to use the web browser on my cell phone. What do you think I am just, you know, a thousand years old. So it's always really funny to see that. I mean, it's super easy to use the web browser, right? It's not difficult, super but just, easy, the, yeah. the, just the opportunity to download an app and have that open and click one button or, or, you know, one tap of your phone. It's always very interesting to me to see how a lot of that stuff works. So dating back, you know, you, you know, we talked a little bit about, I mean, what was it like, again, going back to 1989 with IBM and, and developing you know what you called what was it the the first baseball the fantasy baseball platform yeah had? And, like, that's and incredible. i was on the development team of it the team was consisted of a, a number of different people because at that time you didn't just make a web app because there was no mm -hmm. web you made it for the prodigy prodigy network which was an ibm ibm sears and cbs joint merger in order to do home shopping mm -hmm. uh order to do home broadcasting and then news weather sports so we had a whole shopping division and a whole sports division so you know we built a lot of a lot of different tools for it and one of them was a simulation game called baseball manager that was invented uh by a guy named john butterworth who put together all the simulation how it's going to work and i happened to be i happened to literally they said oh who wants to work on this and nobody did because no there were no sports fans I, i'll do that and uh then i helped develop it and then i eventually was the, the guy who maintained it which meant that i could put enhancements in it anytime i wanted so uh, you know, I got a chance to take it out, and that really started my my fantasy uh, baseball love. I started playing fantasy baseball, uh, rotisserie baseball, in that same spring. Mm -hmm. so as we began developing that, I began playing rotisserie baseball in '89, in the spring of '89. So, and so you've seen the evolution of fantasy, daily fantasy, over the last 30 years. Let's call it 30 plus, I guess, if we're we're being um, a little bit more accurate. I mean, what? How how cool is it to be in something since the essentially the beginning, especially you know not web but the the application side of it, and having a hand in really kind of how this stuff works and and moving forward, really being able to still impact it in such a big way today. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of that comes from you know being in a community that allows people to belong and be who they are, mm -hmm. right? So you know the fantasy sports community has always been like that. It changed a lot in the late. Uh, 2000s and early two and early 2010s, when many people who came in to do their daily fantasy sports companies or you know wanted to change the paradigm of seasonal fantasy sports because now they knew it was popular, um, you know, came only for money reasons. Mm -hmm. But when people came for sports reasons and camaraderie reasons and to feel a place that they belonged, you know, that's what that's what made it always work for me. Mm -hmm. um, that's what made me leave leave NBC in 2011 because I had been doing sports and Olympics for, for, you know, three years and mm -hmm. I wanted to get back to fantasy and they, they were like, Oh no, we have somebody running Rotor world. You know, besides that, that's below you. No, it's not below me. That's what mm -hmm. I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. So now, you know, now we're out now get back out there and, and work in fantasy just because that's where I belong. I love so, it. More so I just where I belong. Again, I, I respect the hell out of that. So many people would, you know, there's so many people on planet Earth that would not take that, you know, as you said, below you, that step down. I'm using air quotes in case anybody's just listening. And I think it's it's so important to do what you love, man. I think if that's not the best thing that you can do, wake up every day happy, going into work, talking about fantasy sports and working in fantasy sports in some capacity. Literally, there's nothing cooler, I think, you know, outside of maybe being the GM of the Mets, because hell, it turns out anybody can do that, I guess. So I think I could, be, <laughs> I could throw my hat in that ring. Um, so just along the way, again, going back a little bit into your career. So you were a founding 
member of the fantasy sports trade association yeah how how does this even come about and and who are you surrounding well, yourself with to make this a real life opportunity well i, I attend a, a fantasy sports uh conference if you will run by james sarah and jim lens from fantasy insights names you probably don't know but they were very important in the in the industry um while i'm at sportsline which has just become cbs.sportsline.com uh we're paying we're paying CBS a hundred million dollars a year for the rights to their name. To be honest, look at that. Gotta love um, it. But everybody thinks that CBS bought us, and that's part of why we did it. Uh, and it puts us on the map. So I go to, I go, I, I go with a plan to the CBS manage or the the Sportsline management. Give me ten million dollars. I'm just going to buy all the companies in fantasy and bring them into our underneath our brand, and I'm going to consolidate fantasy under our brand because we actually were just buying companies in all of sports. Mm -hmm. We had $185 million from all the biggest people, IMG, um, Kleiner Perkins, uh, IBM US West, uh, Shaq, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. We had all this money and we were, we bought data companies. We bought a Vegas company. We bought, we were just buying, we, like I said, we had the president of the National mm -hmm. Basketball Writers Association and all their teams. So we had all the best writers. We had, we, we were just buying things. So I said, the only thing we haven't bought is fantasy. And that's because we don't know who those companies are. So let's go find them. So I went to this conference and I met with some people. Then they were talking about starting a trade association to protect players from fantasy being thought of as gambling and to also communicate and find the customers. Uh, one was a magazine writer, Greg Ambrosius, and he wanted to find advertisers for his magazine. Steve Bird, who was running Stats Inc., wanted to find people to buy his data services. Charlie Weger, who was running CDM, wanted to find more players. James Sarah and Jim's, Jim Lenz were just interested in the industry itself. Mm -hmm. Christina Shellhart ran Sporting News, so she wanted to find more advertisers. So those five people and Carl Foster, who actually worked for me at Sportsline, started um, the Fantasy Sports Trade Association. Me and a bunch of other people were just at the conference, and they asked us to be the first board members. So we were. it wasn't actually our vision to do it, but my mm -hmm. first thought was, wow, I'm going to be able to find the companies to buy <laughs> you know, by being part of this. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't like what it became like a year later or so. I was like, hey, I, we have a chance to explode an in industry as well. You know, I didn't see it as that. I saw it as an opportunity to start, you know, to buy the industry. Mm -hmm. And so with that opportunity to explode the industry, how, how did you go about doing that? You know, well, at first we just collaborated and uh, we did that for, I mean, it's a solid decade, probably from, yeah. from 1998 to 2008, you know, we collaborated. Um, and then also anytime you fight a war together, you always get closer. Mm -hmm. So when CVC sued M.O. Bam for the rights to the players' names in 2005, uh, yeah, in late 2005, and that case was ongoing, that brought, that brought the industry community together in, in, a, in a fight to say, you know, hey, we we want to fight for ownership of the industry and to continue doing, providing the great hobby that we've provided for years and years and years. Um, so that, I think that brought everyone together. And then, you know, it was difficult to get, uh, you know, brand new people in, in the, in the late 2000s and early 2010s, um, you know, who were great people, but mm -hmm. were out to make their company successful, which is what America's all about. And we were just in this great fraternity you know, uh, mm -hmm. and enjoying the ride in a great fraternity as we went from when in 1989, there were 550,000 people who played fantasy. And by the time we 
by the time we get to 2017, it's 60 million. So it's, you know, that, that pridefulness from, mm-hmm. you know, riding the subway and hearing two guys talking about fantasy football in 2005 or 2006, where that never would have happened two decades before that, you know, that, that gives us all a lot of pride and we did it all for the fraternity and for the, for the camaraderie more so than for money. And we appreciate that. And I think that's the most important part. And I'm not going to lie here at Win Daily, we do try and help people win money at, at DFS and, and in sports gambling because we all love it so much. Uh, you know, I think that there is still that connection. I am personally, and I, you know, unapolog- unapologetically, season long is by far my favorite. You know, you talked about the draft before. My, one of my favorite days I look forward to every year is that football draft. You know, the one league that we've been in for 10 years. You know, I know all the guys. Half of them are going to be in my wedding. The rest of them will be there. And it's just that opportunity to connect with people. And I really appreciate that you and, and, you know, this group of people that you came together with were there to ensure that that could happen for people like myself. When we started playing fantasy football, I want to say sometime my Sometime in high school, I think I started probably my junior year. So this is 2008, 2009 is when we started. Um, just having those opportunities, again, just want to say thank you for the things that you did when you came before us. So really do appreciate that. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. So, you know, I mean, I, and like I said, I don't know whether I specifically did anything other than be in the right rooms. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I felt like Forrest Gump with all these smart people around me all the time. Uh, you know, but it ha- it has been where I felt like I belong, and I think mm-hmm. I think every every person should try to find the places where they belong. Hundred percent, could not agree with you more. Just a couple more questions here, and so you um you know you left CBS Sports as you said back in what was it two thousand two thousand one two thousand and one you le- oh I apologize NBC Sports my yeah. my apologies in two thousand eleven yeah in two thousand eleven and then so. You were you have Full Moon Sports Solutions, which you've been running for a very long time now. That I think is two thousand and one as well, if I yeah. have my timeline mm-hmm. correct. And you're con- you're currently still running that. And you told me a little bit about what you guys are doing now, you know, off camera. So, what is Full Moon Sports Solutions, and how are you helping startups and investors and other companies in this fantasy space? Yeah, well, one of the things you know, one of the things that happens when you run, uh, you know, uh, any business that's a consulting business is consulting or business development is all about problem solving. So what, what we do is listen to people's pain points and then try and make solutions for them. So we also, you know, we have, we have some visions and some plans that we want. And so sometimes we, we help to join companies. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the president of, of FA media and that's 95% of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, that's, that's my love. And that's my passion is, is building out, um, you know, FA media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a partner in full moon. Uh, he's the CEO, Ed Bunnell who was with Fox for 13 years and with me at Sportsline way back when. And uh, he's running some different projects over there. But for the most part, they're problem solving. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to our old friends and we'll say, what, what problems you got? And whatever problems they have, we'll go out and create solutions for. And, uh, and then they'll pay us to, in order to get those solutions. I love that. And it's always very important, especially considering you've been running it for so long or you've been in, you know, had a, had a huge hand in it. As you said, your partner you've been with for a very long time as well. So you said 95% of your time is spent with FA media, fantasyalarm.com. Yeah. That's been the last six and a half years. Uh, again, if my, uh, if my math is correct. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. what, um, I mean, I'm familiar with fantasy alarm. I know you guys have a bunch of stuff going on, but for the people out there that might not have any idea, which I feel is few, Tell us a little bit about FA Media. Yeah, well, I mean, I think of, I think almost everybody won't know exactly all of this. So okay. we we are we are rebranding later this year as the Alarm Sports Network, and that will include FantasyAlarm.com, WagerAlarm.com, Fanjections.com, uh, 
and our B alarmed B two B division. Our B alarm B two B division has we already have a major media company that we support in that, and we have a couple of minor companies. But that's a technology division that um, white labels things or creates custom solutions for folks. So we can create custom web solutions or something. And that's burgeoning now because in a lot of areas, because of the, the unfortunate situation uh, that mm -hmm. we're in, people don't have tech resources because those are the ones that they had to um, furlough or, mm -hmm. or move on from. So we're able to, you know, that, that division is thriving right now in this environment. And uh, then we, we've taken this time during this, uh, this pandemic to, uh, take out our wish list, wipe it off, mm -hmm. and then start to build those things, which you normally don't get to build when there's day-to-day -day problems with, you know, some some number of at bats not coming in right, or mm -hmm. so, you know, with all the sports running. So without the sports running, we're we're investing our time in in getting our production level right. So for Fantasy Alarm, what that means is that means the genius Howard Bender has created some new shows, and they're fantastic, and they're hysterical, and they have great talent on them, and uh, we did a fantastic broadcast with the um with Sirius XM for the NFL draft and we're investing in programming in really really top-notch programming for wager alarm it means we're we're building betting tools for fanjections it means we're providing better APIs and getting more clients mm -hmm. to deliver projections and props and other information so um and for be alarmed like i said more more clients so it's all it's four divisions the alarm sports network it's all coming together um you know, we're taking this time to try and innovate as much as we possibly can. And that's what you have to do, right? It's very difficult, you know, seeing people that I know just say, oh, I'm so bored. I'm not doing anything. There's a lot of stuff you can do. No one, never in human history have we ever pretty much all just been given two months. It rarely ever happens. Like you're not allowed to leave your house, essentially, especially up here in the Northeast. You can't really leave your house. So you have all this time. You can't tell me you can't figure out something to do. Do anything. You know, so for me personally, I've started helping Jason out and doing a lot of these interviews with him. I do interviews on my own as well and probably have talked to over 120 people and got to ask him a lot of questions like this. So I got to network and learn. And I think the way you're doing it, you know, for lack of a better term, over this time, I still haven't been able to figure out a way to say it, but take advantage of the situation. Again, you know, yeah. at a minimum, everybody lost their commute. You know, hopefully you still have your job. Hopefully you're still making money, but at a minimum, you lost a combined about an hour and a half of commute. That's the average, average commute is about 45 minutes. So if you can't figure out what to do with an extra at least hour and a half every day, you got to start thinking harder. You got to start figuring something else yeah. out because never in time have we ever been given something like this. I mean, I, I will say everybody's situation is different and everybody has different challenges. So, um, you know, but if you're, if you're not challenged by having to homeschool or challenged by having to have multiple people work in the same mm -hmm. place, um, and you know, not challenged by having to care for any loved ones who have, who are mm -hmm. affected by COVID, uh, you know, parents, nursing homes, stuff like that. If you're not challenged by all those things, then I do agree with you. Be Phil Connors. Mm -hmm. Wake up every day and get great at something. Mm -hmm. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you are challenged by those things, give yourself the self-compassion to say it's okay to focus on family and things that are important, and and you know, maybe maybe not being you know the world's best worker. And, so, uh, and, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and I guess, you know, that did kind of come off like I was saying you have to work, but I agree with you spending time with your family. Again, 
you get an extra hour and a half potentially to spend time with your loved ones who are at their home. You know, you have that extra time. I have a friend who lives out in Cleveland who we only see a couple times a year. I've seen him more in these last six weeks because he's also stuck in his house. So we all get to see each other, that there's ways again, to take advantage of this situation. So I do appreciate that a little Absolutely. aside from you, you as well. And so back to fantasy alarm. So apologize for that little bit of a tangent. Um, in 2014, I saw, you know, when you came in, obviously you were talking, you're, you're very much on the tech side and everything. And I did see uh, the alarm service. When was that implemented and how much of a hand did you have in either implementing it or increasing its ability to use in its customization? Yeah, so the alarm, the alarm service started back in 2010. It was a technology that was written for then. It's an older, it's an old technology now. So we're, we're in the process of rebuilding it because mm-hmm. um, it, it is important, the notification system. We will have one out for this fall that's brand new. Um, but it was, it was actually licensed to um, the lines makers. It was, it was li- licensed to lines makers in, in Vegas so that they could uh, send um, alerts out to mm-hmm. about odds moving. And in large part was put back on mothballs when we received the license back in 2016. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, we didn't do a lot more with it. We developed our own notification system to do things like send you alerts when players weren't going to be in the lineup, but we haven't, um, we haven't expanded that. We're going to expand that coming towards this fall. Cause it's, it's a, it's a place where we think that we can do a ton better. And it's the, it's how the company started mm-hmm. and everybody should get alarms on their phone to tell them exactly what to do. And how is it different than just a normal notification service, as you were saying, that you've been using for, for whether players are in or out? Yeah, well, what we're doing right now is we're investing in a product we call League Sync, which allows you to sync up all your leagues, which I have a way too many best balls now. Uh-huh. Um, I have over 40 MLB best balls now. Okay, I was uh, going to say, how many is too many? But I would probably agree with you. 40 that's too many. Just a little too many. But I don't have to play them. They're, they'll play themselves. But uh-huh. um, I just keep constantly busy with a draft running all the time. So I'll have a four-hour draft running. I've had one running all the time since March 11th. When sports stopped, I immediately jumped into drafts. I've been running a baseball and a football one constantly. So I've been doing baseball and football, best ball drafts on rtsports.com since then. Um, so it brings all, those, all your leagues in. And then it can give you information about, you know, an alert that says your, your waivers are four hours away um, to make sure that you know, to make sure mm-hmm. you get your waiver wire things in because it's the worst feeling. Lineup lock is three hours away. Uh, here's some suggested lineup changes for you. Here's some suggested waiver wire picks for you because we have all the information on all your leagues in one place. Mm-hmm. So, and then you can get single alerts too. So you get an alert that tells you there's six teams. You only get one alert that has all six teams in it via email or SMS text, whichever one you prefer. And uh, that allows you to deal with it in one place instead of getting an alert from Yahoo, getting one from ESPN, getting one from RT Sports. You get Mm -hmm. them all in in one place. And then you can go to those sites and and update them. Um, you You can't update from our site yet, but we expect to have that in 2021. There we go. Yeah, I was going to say, when is that coming? I'm sure it's something that you're working on. So kudos there and congratulations. And with, um, you know, with being at Fantasy Alarm right after, you know, you've talked about it a little bit, the beginning of the 2010s with the implementation or at least the boom, let's call it, of daily fantasy sports. How have you personally integrated that into what you're doing, considering you've been doing season long and all these things, as you said, since about 1989. So you've been doing it for a very yeah. long time one way. And now something new and interesting comes and it kind well, of shakes up the whole industry. Well, I was doing daily fantasy sports in 2003. Oh my goodness. So uh, instant fantasy sports, Chris, Far- over here. Chris Fargus uh, owned it. He now works for DraftKings. Um, and we at All-Star Stats actually bought it. But we used to play 
instant fantasy sports and poker at the same time every night. So we were playing baseball and poker in the summer of 2003, and then especially in the summer of 2004, uh, as the couple Red Sox fans and the couple Yankees fans in our uh, in oh. our office were going at it, we would we would play poker. We played a lot of poker, and we handicapped horses and and played daily fantasy sports on instant fantasy sports. And we bought that and the software, and we built Snapdraft. That was the Roto World product, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we found out it wasn't legal. And so we didn't run that out, but we did, we did lobby and help to get it legal in October, 2006. But in August of 2006, we were bought by NBC. So we were no longer able to roll out that we had to get the uh, general electric lawyers to Mm -hmm. allow us to. So we went through three years of negotiations in order to get that product out. And we got that out in week 13 of 2000. 2009 mm-hmm. and about the same time FanDuel came out FanDuel came out I think a little bit earlier than that but um, it wasn't that successful we had 5 million uniques a month in our in our base at Rotoworld and, and not a lot of people wanted to play da- daily fantasy they were mostly seasonal players we didn't put a, a big investment in marketing behind it and uh, we kind of just r- ran its course for a little while but there were as many as 40,000 concurrent players playing at one point before we shut it down um the, the expectations from nbc were so much higher mm-hmm. and uh the resources for nbc you know uh, the rounding era on the interest of one broadcast for sunday night football mm-hmm. is more than we were making on that product so mm-hmm. they 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 you know they decided they would focus on on making money with uh with their big properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that makes sense. It's just unfortunate considering you've been doing something for so long and you were really at the forefront of that as well. Surprise, surprise. I should have known. Um, and then, you know, in the, obviously- in the room when Comcast is deciding whether or not to invest in FanDuel or in draft street. Ah. So in the room with draft street, when they're deciding mm-hmm. whether or not to do partnerships with which major media companies and whether to go with IAC, uh, you know, so not as heavily involved in dra- any DraftKings stuff but certainly with those other two mm-hmm. big players at the time yeah and i'm currently uh, reading uh billion dollar fantasy the book about draft street draft kings and FanDuel. i don't think i've seen your name pop up yet but i might have to prob- uh, do a, probably do a quick won't. search probably uh, yeah. won't yeah i don't but, uh, know maybe we'll see i guess brian, I'll, I'll, uh, brian I'll schwartz and i are still friends so that's awesome. pretty good friends Good stuff, man. And I think it's great. I mean, obviously, Fantasy Alarm, um, all the things that you guys are doing, we, we think is absolutely fantastic. And that's, again, why we wanted to have you on the show. The Sirius XM stuff that you guys do, we absolutely love as well. So we always think that's pretty cool. Are You're on a Sirius XM show, correct? Yeah, Colton and the Wolfman. Look at that. Very cool. So you Tuesday went from night. the tech side to the, you know, now you're the face uh, face of a show. Look at you. Well, that's, that's more, um, again, more accidents, uh, more... Forrest Gump. So Glenn really wanted to do a radio show. He was, uh, he ran the radio station when we were in college, we were college roommates, doormates. Um, and we played in all these expert leagues together and we were winning, you know, a lot of the expert leagues. Uh, and so, you know, he really wanted to do a radio show and I was good friends with Steve Cohen. So I, I asked Steve if we could do one and he said, how do you want to brand it? And I said, well, you were the producer of Mike and the Mad Dog. Let's make Colton and the Wolfman. <laughs> So we made Colin the Wolfman. They put us on the air. I was incredibly bad. And uh, Steve called me up the next day at the producer on the phone and me and, and everybody gets on the line and he goes, all right, 
This meeting's gonna be quick. Rick, it's cute that you're nervous. Stop being nervous. Uh, don't ever be nervous again. I gotta go. And uh, I tried not to be nervous ever again and just do what I do and be who I am. And, you know, nine years later, we're in season nine now. So um, I just get to be me because Glenn is such a great broadcaster and I just get to show up and talk. Well, you're pretty darn good at that, as I've found in the last 30, 45 minutes here. But um, congratulations again, Rick Wolf, president at Fantasy Alarm, founder of Full Moon Sports Solutions, founding board member of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, as well as being a chairman for a few years. Formerly, as I said, CBS Sports, Roto World, NBC Sports, IBM. I'm sure the list goes on and on. Rick, sincerely appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you, Michael.